proceed with it right away, inshallah. Right away, now, right now. Even take a minute and recite the ayat of Kursi, inshallah. And make a habit of it, teach it to your families. And uh, if your memorization of the verse is, is shaky, please memorize it, inshallah. There is no greater mission in life with the Book of Allah than to learn about His greatest words. And uh, I wanted to highlight again or quickly review why we went over Surah Ayat al-Kursi. The whole Surah, and now this will give us the context for understanding the last two verses. The whole Surah, brothers and sisters, was uh, 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 an elaboration on this whole concept of faith, right? And guidance of Allah Azza wa The Surah began beautifully by describing um, uh, uh, the value of faith, the value of guidance, and who are those who are guided. It, it spoke to us about the qualities of faith, of faith, sincere faith. What happens to the human being? What are the practical manifestations that come out, that surface, when faith enters the heart? Right? Amazing things happen to the human being in terms of their conduct, in terms of their mindset, in terms of their thoughts, humility, uh, willingness to submit to Allah they become, they become good people. Good people, when that foundation is laid firmly in the ground, which is faith, fruits come out of the human being. And we've seen in this surah, the surah uh, went to a, a, you know, great lengths in showing us what happens when this heart is faithless. Faithless, kufr, right? No gratitude to Allah, no awareness of Allah, no acknowledgement of His presence. It's not a joke. It's not a just about, oh, somebody made a choice and they're still the same type of person. No. We're designed to have faith in Allah. We're wired for it. So when it's absent, there are also consequences. And Allah showed us, and it was symbolized by one verse. Your heart became what? Heart. The hearts harden. Does that mean there are no people with soft hearts who have no faith? No, it doesn't mean that. But as a general rule, as a general, the hearts will harden. That's a worry with our children, our families have no faith. It's a serious problem when we see members of our community, when we ourselves suffer from it, and don't take it for granted. We can lose faith any, any minute, any second. It can weaken, right? The hearts harden and we have arrogance. The human being becomes arrogant, right? And consequently also, there is a tendency now to, not tendency, inevitably, a person will disobey Allah and not listen. And there's no willingness to comply with the commands of Allah because you don't even believe in Him anyway. And if there's hypocrisy, there's outward submission, but inward rejection. And this, the, the Quran, excuse me, the Surah, uh, explained to us this concept through stories. Then Israel, right? Who despite their outward profession of faith, demanded to see Allah because they never believed. Right? Argued about the cow. Right, right. Then we had the people of Medina, who, when the Prophet ﷺ was given the command to, to switch what qiblas, right? They said, "What is this? Why do we have to switch qiblas? Which one is real?" And some were upset. Oh, uh, we have to turn our heads to the the authentic, permanent, eternal qibla, which is al-Masjid al-Aqsa. Allah had reasons for switching the qibla, right? And the Prophet ﷺ instantly answered. And those who had genuine, authentic faith, what happened? They instantly answered. Did they ask why? Did they ask well, how come? Did they ask this doesn't make any sense to my me, to me, my whims? Never. 
they instantly switched to the power. We have a masjid now in Medina called Masjid Al-Qiblatayn, the Masjid of the two Qiblas. And you visit it when you go to Umrah or Hajj, right? Because there's a group of people who when they heard the announcement from a passerby, they instantly switched the direction of their Qibla in the Salah. Wow, what ability to comply with Allah. This comes out what? As a practical manifestation of faith. When you have faith and you see Allah Azzawajal in your heart, you immediately answer because you recognize the glory of Allah, the power of Allah. And He's right to be worshipped and obeyed. Allah deserves it. And it's not for His benefit, it's for our benefit. It, the Surah gave us the example of Ibrahim السلام, who is the opposite example, who manifested faith and had this incredible humility because of his faith. Right? Built the Kaaba out of obedience to Allah. Was willing to sacrifice his child out of obedience to Allah. Never ever once asking why. He didn't. Right? SubhanAllah. So Allah says, which one are you? Make up your mind. And then he says, if you're truly faithful, don't feel like you're superior to those who came before you who didn't do well, who failed. No. An attitude of faith, excuse me, uh, a manifestation of faith is also the humility, this, this kind of attitude of humility, this, this feeling of humility that comes naturally to the person when they have faith in Allah. So by the way, it's a contradiction if somebody claims faith and they become arrogant. There's an absolute contradiction there. It doesn't make sense. That means there's no faith. If in any way we feel superior to others because of anything, race, gender, right? Nation versus a nation. Power, wealth, whatever the reason. If there is a hint of feeling that we're superior to any one person, right? That means there's no faith in the heart or it's really weak. That means ego is the, is the God, right? So Allah says, be careful. Don't have that attitude, right? Feeling, oh, we're better. We're Muslim, for example. Or for any other reason. And if your task right now is to comply with the command. So this surah presents to us, gives us most of the sharia. Most of the ordinances of Allah having to do with Islam, with worship, with social interactions, economic interactions, personal interactions, everything, most of them are laid in this surah. So he says, okay, show me now. So now that you've heard the stories of those who had faith and those who didn't have faith, the consequences, who are you? Okay, let me test you because you have to be tested. Here are commands. So Allah gives us ordinances from almost like the second section of the surah when we get into just two until the end. Ordinance after ordinance and everything, right? Avoid this. He defines many harams and tells us what to do. Are we going to comply? Now you're thinking to yourself, oh, this sharia is very hard. Extremely hard. So there are two things I'm going to mention segging into this last two verses. Number one, why would people not believe in Allah or respect Him when He gives, he gives us commands? Very simple. It's because of the lack of awareness of who He is. There's no sense of respecting Allah. And we don't respect some, something or someone when we do not appreciate them. We do not understand who they are. Challenge, as we've said before, is that we learn Islam without learning about who? Allah. We learn about the do's and the don'ts. Halals and harams. Right? And we expect everyone to comply. And then we start judging them based on that. But we never teach people beyond saying, La ilaha illallah. Who Allah is. And Allah gives us the, gave us the tools, His attributes in the Quran. He says, learn my attributes. Understand them. That's what the Prophet says, whoever encompasses, ahsa, encompasses the names of Allah, right? Goes to Jannah. 
That's the most essential thing in, in education, in Islamic education. Because if the heart starts seeing Allah, appreciating His magnanimity, His power, His vastness, His encompassing mercy, right? His, his incredible, extraordinary ability to design, right? To fashion things from nothing, to create. When the human being loses this, they become egotistical. They still start thinking it's them, right? But when you have that sense of exalting Allah Azza wa because of who He is, and it's not going to happen without reflecting on Allah through His attributes, you're not going to obey Him. You're not going to obey Him well. So what, what is, why does Allah then give us Ayat al-Kursi? For that purpose. So in the middle, towards the end of the surah, verse 255, Allah says, well, you're not going to really follow or comply if you don't understand who I am. So He gives us the greatest verse in the Qur'an, Ayat al-Kursi, which is about what? Who Allah is. Introduction to Allah. Through selected attributes. That tells you these attributes, understanding them, defines to you who Allah is, and you're going to fall in love with Allah. You're going to appreciate Him when you understand He owns the heavens and the earth. He is Al-Hayyul Qayyum, the living, the eternal, the sustainer. He's living, He's right now existing, and He sustains you. To Him belongs what's in the heavens and the earth, including you. To him belongs all knowledge. And his knowledge is the reason why everything exists. Right? It's the existent knowledge. Right? No one can ever intercede on behalf of anyone in front of Allah. So don't ever feel like you have rights or you have abilities. There are no partners. Right? And then, by the way, maintaining the heavens and the earth is very easy to Allah Azza wa Jal. Not unlike you. He distinguishes himself from us. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't take naps. He's not human. He's not contained in time and space, right? And he has no partners whatsoever. And he is, no matter what you think about him, because this verse is about thinking about Allah, he is Al-Aliyu Al-Azim. He's above. He's above. No matter how, how, how powerful you think he is, he's above. No matter how, how wise you think he is, his wisdom is, is bigger. Ali, bigger, bigger, higher, and exalted. Hopefully, if we've reflected deep enough about this verse, we'll have respect and a sense of awe of Allah. That's why it's there. Right? That's why it's there. In the midst of giving us ordinances of sharia. In the midst of the talking to us about the journey of faith. There's reason why Ayatul Kursi is there. So once again, I pray to Allah that we're all making Ayatul Kursi part of our lives. Part of our lives. And indeed, if you say Ayatul Kursi, the shaitan taught us this, right? <laughs> Oddly speaking. The shaitan taught this to, to Abu Hurairah. Who Abu Hurairah told the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ said, Yep, shaitan spoke the truth here. He's warning you about himself and how to protect yourself against the shaitan. And what was the trick, the tool? Who knows? Who can remind us? Shaitan said to Abu Hurairah, Can I teach you something? If I teach you something, would you let me go? What was it? Recite it when? When? That's another hadith. But the shaitan said something different. At sleep, exactly. Before you go to bed, shaitan said, if you go to bed and say Ayatul Kursi, you're protected by Allah until you wake up, you're protected from the shaitan. Him, right? That's amazing. He, he understands. Like he says, if you see Ayatul Kursi, I have no means to get to you. I'm telling you. I have no means. I have no ability. I'm stripped of power. Wow, brothers and sisters. Anyone who has sanity any sense of reason, 
would not go to bed if they heard this without saying Ahlul Kursi and teaching us to our, to our family. So this series, brothers and sisters, is also about living practically, inshallah. Not just about appreciating meanings, but about implementing in our lives. Our lives will change, for sure. For sure. So now we come to the last two verses. Last two verses of, of, of Surah Al-Baqarah. And I intentionally separated them into a, into a separate session because they're extraordinary verses. So throughout this series, if you learn Ayat Al-Kursi, you learn few essential uh, verses, surahs in this Qur'an, and you make a relationship with them, your lives will change. These two ayahs are amongst them. These two ayahs stand out as a, from amongst the rest of the Qur'an as some of the most extraordinary. Why? We're going to go over it, inshallah. So as customary, after this intro, inshallah, I'm going to recite the verses. Those who memorize them, inshallah, read with me. Those who haven't, read along, inshallah. But this is also a call to all of us, inshallah, as, a, as an action item to memorize these two verses. You have to. Just as you memorize Allahu Ahad, just as you memorize Ayat al Kursi, memorize these two verses. They'll serve you well in this life and the hereafter. So let's begin, inshallah. A'udhu billahi minash rajim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Amana rasulu bima uzila ilayhi min rabbihi wal mu'minun. كُلٌّ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِّن رُّسُلِهِ وَقَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا غُفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرُ يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا لَا مَا كَسَبَتْ وَعَلَيْهَا مَا اكْتَسَبَتْ ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا فهو على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به وافعنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين صدق الله جزاكم الله خير بارك الله فيكم يا الله عز وجل grant you each letter and each meaning inshallah fulfill it for you say amen this is what the Prophet Sallallahu said and I remind you of the virtues of this inshallah these two verses of of Surah Al-Baqarah coming as the summation as the ending as the conclusion of this you know, greatest of surahs of the Qur'an, the longest of surahs in the Qur'an, that contains the greatest verse, an extraordinary surah, it's going to con- evidently conclude with something amazing, right? Amazing. That sums up the whole surah. Can you imagine? This is the, the extraordinary nature of Allah, His ability to give you something so dense and then summarize it with few words. Right? If you understood Surah Al-Baqarah, here it is. So the Prophet ﷺ, once again, he was sitting with uh, Jibreel a.s. And Jibreel used to come and visit the Prophet ﷺ and actually talk to him, advise him, counsel him, right? And then also teach him and convey the verses of Allah to him. There was, it was a friendship. So as he was in his company, Jibreel said, and he heard a knock from the heavens. He said, there is a knock in the heavens. And a door just opened that never opened before. And suddenly an angel comes down that has never descended from the heavens. And he says, Get ready, he's coming. And, the, and this angel came to the Prophet ﷺ, and he said in front of Jibreel, Abshir, glad tidings to you, O Prophet of Allah, for Allah has delivered you from that spot two lights. Two lights that have never come down before. And these lights are what? Two lights. 
representing represented by two verses or two sets of verses. What are they? Ayatul Kursi. We just said it. So Abshir came out in the age of sin, glad tidings. You just had an incredible gift that never came down to anyone before you. The first light is Ayatul Kursi. Brothers and sisters, light in your life with Ayatul Kursi. Light. Well, light heals. If you're running into issues, read Ayatul Kursi. Reflect on it. It will change your life. And the second light is what? The neglected ones. Wallahi, we as an ummah neglected these last two verses. The last two verses of Surah Al-Baqarah, the second light. So number one, it's, so no, number one, it's light. Allah tells you it's light. What is light? It makes things clear. It enlightens your heart and your soul. It relieves you. It heals you. It shows you what, what to do and where to go. Can you imagine? Yeah, absolutely. Repeatedly engaging with this verse, reflecting on it, reciting it, will make things clear for you and will expand your chest. Subhanallah. It'll take you from darkness to light. That's the promise of Allah Azza wa Jal. What else does the Prophet Sallallahu say about him? The Prophet Sallallahu it is reported, he said, similar to Ayatul uh, Kursi, whoever recites this, when they go to bed. So Ayatul Kursi, the promise was that Allah will protect you, protect your home, protect your neighbor, and the neighbor of your neighbor. Right? Protection. Total protection that even your neighborhood is protected because of you. You're a champion of the neighborhood, right? Savior of the neighborhood. By Ayatul Kursi. That's the power of Allah Azza wa And this one, it doesn't talk about protection. The Prophet said, whoever recites those two verses before they go to bed, when you put your head on your pillow, recite them, Allah will suffice him or her. Suffice you. Your needs. Taken care of. Can you imagine? This is the promise of Allah Azza Why? There are incredible secrets in this surah, in these two verses. Incredible gems and treasures. And ultimately, these are the words of Allah the Exalted. And He's telling me these are amongst the greatest. Because you love them, I'm going to suffice you. Can you imagine going to bed with all the troubles of your life? The weight, the stress, the anxiety? I mean, I was anxious yesterday. I wasn't feeling well when I went to bed. Allah just recited those two verses. Because I, and you know the promise of Allah. If you trust in the promise of Allah, done. Done. Read them, as the Prophet said, and see what happens. What else does the Prophet say? He says, those two verses, they came to me from a, 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 a treasure under the throne of Allah. So there's a treasure containing heavenly gems, divine gems. Within that treasure, right, there are these two verses that Allah, according to one report, written those two verses 2,000 years before the creation of the human being. That's how extraordinary they are. That's how precious they are. That Allah articulated those verses, written them 2,000 years before the creation of the human being. And they were contained in this treasure under the throne of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ tells you and me, so that we appreciate them. They came to you from, from a treasure under the throne of Allah, given as a gift to Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. And whatever gift he gets, he shares with us. That's amazing. Whatever gift he, gift he gets, he, because we're his ummah. That's why we're, we're lucky. We're very fortunate. We belong to the Prophet Muhammad We have special gifts coming to us from Allah in the heavens that no one else has received. But it's not exclusive. You say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, you get it. It's not like special license to get it. Right? There's no exclusivity in Islam. You submit to Allah, you give these natural, beautiful gifts. It's not given to a race, an individual because of who he is or his lineage. Given to anyone who's Muslim. 
SubhanAllah, we get the same gifts, so don't feel like, oh, the Prophet is also keeping them to himself. No, he shares them with us. That's his mission, right? So we're giving these two things from a treasure under the throne of Allah Azza wa Jal. Ali ibn Abi Talib and Umar uh, said something beautiful. They said, uh, appreciating these two verses, they said, anyone who has any sense to them, means normal, sane people, if anyone has any sense to them, they will not go to sleep without reciting to, this, to these two verses. As if to say, what else do you need? Are you not convinced? So they said, only the foolish or the ignorant or somebody who doesn't know. That's why we learn, by the way. That's why we come here. But it says there's nothing worse than not knowing. I mean, we can choose to live life with our heads in the sand. And we'll not learn anything. We'll miss out. Now, you're not going to be taken to account for things you don't know. But there's something dangerous with not attempting to learn. And most of them are asleep. Not just physically asleep. They're distracted. We don't make efforts to learn. That's very dangerous, by, by the way. I mean, we can live our entire lives not learning anything. Except the few fundamentals. Sure. Alhamdulillah, if you're doing the fundamentals, that's great. But some of us are even short of that, and we're missing things like Ayatul Kursi, these two last verses, as an example. When you learn about the virtues of something, you start acting on it. That's why in Ramadan we keep emphasizing the virtues. Because it might become routine. And you start losing the appreciation for Ramadan and fasting. So every year we try to mention the, the hadith on the virtues of fasting. So you need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. We might lose sense of the and appreciation of the salah. So we need here and there opportunities to reflect on salah. And the beauty of salah. And the virtue of salah. Then you wake up again. Right? SubhanAllah. So they're saying, Omar and Ali, anyone who has any reason in them will not go to sleep without reading through, the, through the, these two verses after knowing what you know. So Alhamdulillah that Allah gives us the opportunity. And I always say this, if Allah has brought you to learn something, He wants to give it to you. Remember this. If you've heard something good, open your heart to it because Allah has chosen you to receive that thing and He wants to guide you with it. And elevate you with it. So don't take it for granted. You're not randomly present here. Allah brought you here. To hear this very thing, you might not even hear it again. Allah knows. Allah knows. Now if you learn it, you're going to go do what? Because the Prophet said this about these two verses. He says, go teach it to your family. Go teach it to your family. Now that you've learned it, and you'll see the meanings, go teach it to your family. Khalas, inshallah. Done? Excited? Okay, what are these two verses about? Why are they important and relevant to the Surah, to Surah Al-Baqarah. First, again quickly, the Prophet, excuse me, the Surah is about faith. Right? Categories of faith, aspects of faith, what happens when you're faithful, what happens if we lose faith. Right? And stories that illustrate this, that exemplify all these meanings. So Allah, and then giving us Sharia. Most of Sharia is done, in, is, is presented in this. And what is Sharia? The code of Allah. The commands, the do's and the don'ts. But in the context of understanding Allah. Notice how Allah gave us Sharia in this surah. It's the same surah where He has, gives us Ayatul Kursi. He's telling us how to teach about Him. You don't just give Sharia. We give Sharia without Allah, right? But in this surah, He gave us the methodology of teaching Islam. He gave us Ayatul Kursi and Sharia to understand who Allah is. And He wraps up the whole surah in a beautiful way. Affirming these lessons. 
in a beautiful praise of the believers. And the ones who share this understanding with us, the Prophets of Allah Azza wa So Allah wraps up the whole surah, concludes it with His signature, by saying, I'm going to praise the faithful. And in His own words, affirm essential meanings about how to interact with this sharia, right? How to understand it, and how to understand ourselves in relation to Allah Azza wa And again, reflect on what happened, what should happen, if we have sincere faith, which is what the story, what the surah has been about. So he's wrapping up the main lessons. If you have faith, you're going to have these things. For sure. And beautifully, if you have faith in Allah, so he's going to say what will happen in this surah, but in a different form. He's going to give it to you in the, in, in, in the manner in which you should feel, in the manner in which you should speak. That's amazing. So he doesn't just state rules here, principles. He tells you, if you're faithful, you're going to say this. And the ultimate thing that manifests faith is what? When we do something. What is it? It happened in Surah Al-Fatiha. Surah Al-Fatiha gave us few things about Allah. Right? Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Malik Yawmuddin. Then he said, okay, so if you acknowledge this, then you have to worship Him. You alone we worship. You alone we seek help from. And He gave it to you in what manner? In the manner which you should say it. He's giving it to you in the second person. Like, say this. He's telling you, say this. And it's as if you're having conversation with me. You alone will worship. You alone will seek help from. Then he gives us a dua that we need to say every salah, every rakah, which is, he didn't say, I want you to say, he said, naturally, if you understood, you're going to start making dua to Allah. And Allah taught us the most important dua. So the surah began with first half of Surah Al-Fatiha with essential principles, understanding who Allah is, defining the relationship, and in the second part, what? Direct discourse between you and Allah saying, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ He's highlighting the importance of dua. Dua, brothers, this is not just uh, you know, um, an act we do in life, just another thing in the toolbox. It's the ultimate manifestation of what? Faith. How can you make da'a without faith? Right? And the greater your awareness of Allah and your understanding of the beauty of Allah and His power and majesty, and an awareness that He hears you and sees you now, the more you'll make da'a to Allah. The more you trust in, in your da'a. So in the same way, paralleling Surah Al-Fatiha, this long surah does the same thing exactly, but in a long fashion. Going through a lot of principles and then what? Condense it with a dua. So he, in the last verse, he gives us duas. He says, if you're truly sincerely faithful, you'll be making this dua. And he tells us what the dua is. So he taught us a dua where? Surah Al-Fatiha. Guide us to the straight path. The path of those that you've bestowed your mercy upon and not the path those of those who have gone astray or earned your wrath. And he told us in Surah Al-Baqarah, who are those who earned his wrath? Right? Because it wasn't defined in Surah Al-Fatiha. In the same way, after this long journey, right, he tells you, make this dua. Because if you make this dua, that means you understand. What is that dua? We'll talk about it, inshallah. So the first verse, verse 285, begins with, Here's what Allah says. As a summary of Surah Al-Baqarah, 
He says, by the way, you may not appreciate this faith, but the Prophet of Allah believed. That's amazing to say this. The United States like, okay, that's a big deal. He's telling you, faith is a big deal if you have faith. Because who had faith? Your beloved, the greatest creature in the heavens and on earth, believed. So because some people think, well, I was talking to uh, somebody who's an atheist just a few days ago. And he's, he has this hint of arrogance to him. SubhanAllah. And he's like, yeah, this whole belief business. It's like he feels like he's too above it. Right? Because it's this... It, he says, I only believe in things I can measure. I can... And all this imaginative stuff, fancy stuff. I'm above it. I'm a man of intellect. Right? That's the attitude. I mean, subhanAllah. And you see this repeated in human beings. Even people who claim to be, you know, belong to a religion, they might have that attitude. Right? Allah says, hey, don't have that attitude. This is a big deal they have belief. You know who believed? All the prophets of Allah. Prophet Muhammad wasallam. All creation testifies to who he is and how great he is. Except those who hate him, of course. Right? He believed. He's connecting you to a great what? Company. But this is when we believe we belong to a company immediately. And how many of us now want to belong to clubs? Well, welcome to Right, even in our you know, Potomac Bethesda, like, ah, I belong to this club, Rotary Club, this club, this school, that, that, right? Everybody wants to belong to this private thing, even in golf courses. You know you can apply? Clubs, ask people who have tried it here. Like, they get rejected. <laughs> like, they look and check you out, like, nope, we're not interested. And I know personally people have been rejected, you know, when they apply to these golf clubs. Exclusive group of people, even if you have the money. Sometimes just because of race. Because they don't want somebody of different color fitting in. Coming in. It spoils the pot. Right? Everybody wants to belong. Oh, I went to... I love Harvard. I went to Harvard. I went to Yale. I went there. Because now I belong to the club. Special club. Right? It's great to go to these places. But to feel that you have a hand on others, that you belong to the club. Well, Allah says, you know what? Plug... What club you belong to as believers? The club of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Whoa. Talk about trumping all other clubs. Then we belong to others. But there's nothing greater to take pride in. You're a believer. It's a big deal. You have connection and a rope to the heavens. Who has that? This Amana Rasul by itself, you need to just pause and say, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I have faith. Now I'm one of the Prophet's people. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Amana Rasul. tells you, the Prophet believed. Who else? Well, he tells you what he believed in. Remind you now, the five tenets of faith are here. This sort is amazing. It gives us sharia, and it gives us the five tenets of faith. It, all the tenets, pillars of worship are mentioned in this surah. Shahada. What are the five pillars of Islam? Shahada. Testifying that la ilaha Allah, professing. Your belief by saying La ilaha il ashhadu, ashhadu. I bear witness that La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. What's the next one? Salah, zakah, fasting, Hajj. Guess where they're mentioned? In Surah Al-Baqarah. Right? This is the foundation of Sharia. These five modes of worship. You have to do them. They build the house of faith. And if you don't do them, your faith will dissipate. Even if you have belief in Allah. That's when we pray. Brothers and sisters, it's a big deal that we pray daily. Those who don't pray daily, like in other faiths and religions, I actually usually bring it up. 
I say we pray. I don't criticize. I say we pray to ensure that our faith is maintained and strengthened. Because Allah designed it to have both something in word. We need to have faith. But the way to raise it up, strengthen that faith, nourish it, feed it, is through prayers. And then I have them think about their models. I say, yeah, we don't pray like once a week, twice a week. Oftentimes, wallah, most people are receptive. They're like, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. I'll... And then they start talking about theirs. They're like, yeah, ours like only once a week. Yeah, that's it. you don't feel it, right? Because if you're going to come and worship on Jum'ah, you know the deal. The rest of the week you're gone. Detached. That's why Allah has reasons for everything. Five daily prayers, you need them. If you don't do them, your faith will become like a theory. It's something that will dissipate, like something abstract. And before you know it, it's gone. It has no effect. So Allah defined that in the surah. Now in this verse, He defines the five tenets of faith. And what are the five tenets of faith? Belief in Allah, His, His, His angels, His book, scriptures, what is it? Prophets, all the prophets, and the day of judgment. Five. And then there's another, you know, the, the one about Qadr. But these are the five. Right? Why are they mentioned right here? So he says, the prophet believed. Big deal. In what? He says, he believed in everything that was revealed to him from Allah. Which is what? Quran. So believe in the books. But he, then he says, what, who else believes with him? Well, mu'minun. And the believers, he put them right there with the process. And he said, he, he distinguished him to tell you who he belongs to now. He's a big deal. The seal of the prophets believes. And the believers still believe in what has been revealed to them. So he's saying the true believers do what? Believe in what has been revealed to them from Allah. That's the whole surah. They need to. And who are they now? A company of? The company of the Prophet ﷺ. Then he repeats, Kullun, each of them. He now goes through the five tenets of faith. He says, each of them believes in who? Allah. And his angels, malaikatihi, wa kutubihi, and all his scriptures, and all wa rusulihi, all his prophets. Then he says, you need to tell me why. La nufarriqu bayna ahadin mirusulihi. Now he's telling you the way you should say it. Turning it to now you, second form. La, we. Like he switched from making a statement in the third person about the Prophet. He said the Prophet, the believers believe in Allah, His angels, His books, right? Uh, you know, and, 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 and His prophets. He left one, by the way. We're going to go, we're going to see it coming up. Then he says, La nufarriqu. We don't differentiate between His prophets. Is Allah talking about Himself? No. He's telling you, the statement in the form in which you should say it. SubhanAllah. So it's as if he's telling me, if you truly believe in all the prophets of Allah, you should be saying what? La nufarriqu. We don't distinguish, make distinguish between the prophets of Allah. Why did Allah put that here? What did the surah tell us about? Past nation that did what? What is it? Distinguished, right? He talked to us about a passage, Banu Israel, who did what? They picked and choose from who? Amongst the prophets of Allah in his books. And they thought, well, we're the special club. Our prophets are special. Any other, who's who? Prophet Muhammad, when he came, what did they say? Despite all the statements in their scriptures, he said, nope, nope, only our prophets. We reject him. We don't believe in him. 
They made up all kinds of things. Allah saying, if you're truly like your father who? Ibrahim. You belong to Ibrahim. Right? Ibrahim submitted to Allah. He was humble. Ibrahim had also Ismail. Now you're denying Ismail, right? Because he's Ishaq. And he had Ismail. And the Prophet ﷺ came from Ismail's side of the branch of the family. Why decided to pick one branch of the family and reject the other branch of the family? You can't do this. If you truly believe, one of the manifestations that you should believe in Allah, the Prophets of Allah, we don't make distinctions between them. Each of them came with a mission, by the way. Each of them delivered the same core message, La ilaha illallah. By the way, no difference there. Whatsoever. Some of them came to deliver the message to one person. Some of them to a great nation. Some of them went to China. Some of them went here. So Allah knows where they've gone. Several, subhanAllah, brothers and sisters, thousands of them. Over 100,000 MBA. This is a big deal. Imagine over 100,000, I think the number is 124,000 prophets of Allah. Can you imagine? Some of them came with new sharia, like a new system. Some of them didn't. Like many of the prophets didn't have new code. They just repeated or came, emphasized the same code that the previous prophets came with. Make sense? 124,000 across this earth. We heard of just few. Just few. But, so Allah says, you cannot say, I'm going to pick this over that, this. No, you have to believe in all of them. They, they all carry the same message, though their sharia's are different. Their sharia's are different. However, does that mean some of them are not better than others? Absolutely. Allah says it is Him who makes distinctions in, the term, in terms of rank. So indeed, while all of them came to, from Allah, with a message from Allah, we believe in all of them. However, some of them are higher than others in terms of rank and significance. That's it. It doesn't mean we reject Musa or reject uh, Elias. No, 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 no. They're all prophets of Allah, but some are higher. Who are the... What's, what, the, what are called Ulul Azmi Minar Rusul? The ones who had the, of the greatest import, the greatest significance, the people of resolve, their distinct messengers of Allah. Who are they? The best. Nuh, Ibrahim, Musa, Isa, and Rasulullah. Can I have one more time? Nuh, the first one is Nuh, because he's, he's older than anybody else, right? Then Ibrahim. Then, then you have Musa, then Isa, then Rasulullah Five. These are the greatest. Allah decided, and Allah gave him the greatest, most difficult missions. Make sense? So we don't differentiate, we don't make distinctions, but we understand there are ones that have higher rank. So he's saying, if you have true faith, sincere faith, you don't become arrogant and say, I'm better than him, my nation, your nation. No, 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 no. All the prophets are prophets of Allah. However, some of them are higher than others, and now, if you've received Sharia through your Prophet, you better stick to it. Because you have your own Sharia. My Sharia is not the Sharia that came down through Musa. It's not the one that came with Jesus, Jesus Christ. It's not the one that came down with Ibrahim. No, no, no. The Sharia is here. So Allah says, if you truly believe, first you believe in all of them, but now you pay attention and you say what? وَقَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا so he says, number one, if you have true, sincere faith, you're going to believe in all the prophets. So as soon as you start differentiating, picking and choosing, that means you have no faith. You're arrogant. Number two manifestation of your faith is that you're going to say what? What does that mean? We heard and 
debated, we heard and obeyed. Who didn't do this? We heard the story of Surah Al-Baqarah. Those who said, well, slaughter a cow. What did they do? Ah, oh, mashallah, we're going to just find a cow. What did they say? We're confused. Well, which cow? They're playing games. Not because they're interested. They're playing games to avoid obeying Allah. So they kept going through all these questions. What color? How old? Where is she? He? Right? And Allah kept hammering them with details until they eventually found one cow and they had to pay money for it and slaughtered it. SubhanAllah. So Allah says, remember, this is a summary. He says, if you had true faith, you'll also say, we listened and obeyed. And he gives it to you in second person, in the form with which you have to say it. We, oh Allah, listened and obeyed. You notice the humility? He says a signature of those who truly believed is that they're humble and they listen to Allah and obey without debating, arguing, rebelling. None of this business. That's a sign of... It doesn't mean we don't ask questions with curiosity. No, we have to ask questions. It's part of him being a human being. But not with the intention to disobey Allah Azza Make sense? What else is a sign of your faith? A true faithful person is someone who recognizes they need what from Allah? His forgiveness. They understand, I'm so short of perfection. So far from perfection. So the one who doesn't have belief is arrogant. They think, I'm like, look at me, I'm amazing. My thoughts are amazing. I look amazing, right? The world needs me. The person of faith doesn't have that attitude. Their attitude is, oh, subhanAllah, I'm, I'm so imperfect. I'm imperfect. I'm worthy, sure. But I'm imperfect. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm not going to look and say, oh, look at these previous nations. Look at this, Israel. No, 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 no. I'm as capable of failing. I'm as capable of making mistakes as sinning. I'm having the same ability. I better not be arrogant. I better reflect on myself. So, oh Allah, give me your... So Allah tells us in this beautiful verse what thoughts we should have. The thoughts should be, Oh Allah, we appreciate your ability to forgive. Again, who's giving us these words? Allah. When He tells you, I want you to say, Ghufranak. I want you to say, Oh Allah, forgive me. What does that mean He wants to give you? Forgiveness. There's no way Allah would have put it here. He didn't want to give you forgiveness. That's amazing. So Allah's telling you, your attitude should be one of humility, turning to me saying, Allah, forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm full of mistakes. Ufranaka, Rabbana, oh, our master. Remember Surah Al-Fatiha? Rabbil Alameen. Here it is, show it up again. We acknowledge, he says, the truly, sincerely faithful acknowledge that Allah is their Rabb. And what, does that mean? what does Rabb mean now? Master. The one who runs your life, essentially who created the heavens and the earth. And that means you're His servant. You're the one who needs to submit to Him and take direction and guidance from Him. If you're a really good servant of Allah Azza wa Jal, and it's your honor that He's your master, what is your Rabb? So here He tells us, your attitude should be, Oh Rabbana, you're our master. Not something else in life that is our master, including people. Right? No, you're our master. Then He gives us the fifth tenet of faith, which is, وَإِلَيْكَ what is what To you only, there's no other. There's no other. To you only is the destination. When we die, we're going to go back to Allah. Wallahi, that person I spoke with uh, two days ago, um, he's telling, yeah, I, you know, we're talking about life 
He's like, yeah, yeah. From my perspective, there's no such. We're talking about death. And, and uh, so I said, you know, it's difficult when we lose people. Um, he was asking me about my father-in-law. Then we got into this conversation about death and how to deal with death. I didn't want to be too imposing. Um, so I said, yeah, we, you know, what keeps us going is just belief in, in that, that we're reunited with our loved ones. We go back to God. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, for me, it's very simple. We die, we just cease to exist, right? None of this gymnastics, right? And I just, the way he said it was like so dismissive. So like, in their heads, like, yeah, I don't have any evidence. So I'm just going to totally reject it. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I deal with it, right? Allah says, وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرِ And He's telling you, you're the one saying it. If you're truly faithful, you're the one who says, Oh Allah, to you is the destination. Wow, what a beautiful thing. And that's number what? Five tenets of belief. So we, we literally, in one verse we went over, believe in Allah, His prophets, His angels, His books, and believing in the return to Allah, the Day of Judgment. Allah summed them up all to remind you, if you truly believe, you're going to believe in all five, and also, it's going to be coming out in your, in your profession. You're daily going to be saying, Oh Allah, I believe in returning back to you. That's why when we lose someone, or when we're afflicted by any hardship, what do we say? Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi To Allah we belong, to Allah we return. Brothers, this, is, this one statement, ilayka al-masir, changes our feelings and attitudes and thoughts. Allah says there's nothing that is going to heal you more. In the midst of a calamity, Hardship, difficulty, loss of money, health, wealth, people. Except to remind yourself you belong to Allah and to Him you return. So this is a big deal statement. And he's saying the Prophet believed it and said it. You believe it and you say it, that means you're truly faithful. That's verse number one. So it sums up what this surah is about, belief. What does belief mean? Believe in these things. And how, what are the practical manifestations of belief? What did we say? Among them is that we believe in all the prophets without distinction. And number two, we say what? Sami'na wa ata'na we obey, oh Allah. We hear and obey. We don't argue. And number three, we ask for what? Make dua to you. Here it is. The dua started already. So the third is that we make dua for your forgiveness, which means we're acknowledging our imperfection, propensity to make mistakes, and we acknowledge we're returning back to you. He continues on now laying amazing principles. I want you to pay attention to this. When we are given duties in Islam, um, fasting, like ask somebody who is not Muslim, and they ask him, what do you do? He say, I'm fasting. Like, what is this fast about? Oh, we do, you know, you know abstain from food, drink, uh, marital relationships. And you say, oh my God, completely? I'm like, yeah, completely. He's like, what about water? Uh, yeah, including water. Oh my God, for an hour? And they're like, no. They're like, when? Dawn? The sun's like, oh, right? And they're like, and they're like, yeah, this is one day? I'm like, nope, 30 days. They're like, what, Grace? No way. And they're like, all this sense of just shock, right? Now if you ask a Muslim who's doing it, they tell you what? It's not a big deal. If you just try it. And I know people like Namus and Wakhtar, they're like, oh, that was great. Some of us struggle, but it's normal to struggle. We struggle. With Day number one, you know, you remember the headaches? When you just come back to fasting, like, oh my God, that first day, it's like, where's my coffee? Where's my coffee? Right? 
We're addicted people. By day number three, we're okay. Right? SubhanAllah. But then the people who haven't tried it, they think it is unbearable. You tell them about prayer five times a day? You have to. And even many Muslims are like, oh, I don't want to do it. Like, oh my God, I have to go pray. That's too difficult. And I typically I deal with Muslims who say, I pray once or twice. I'm like, so is that no Sharia, for example? Like, what is that? Right? I'm just difficult. Right? And people just want to pray all the five prayers together, mashallah. Like, there are other ways of dealing with it. Other tricks. Right? Well, there are times when you have to. You had surgery. Right? You have to sum up, you know, kind of combine all the prayers. Why am I mentioning this? Another example. Money, zakah. Oh, I have to pay 2.5%. I have to do that. And then you start saying, abstaining from haram. It's like, oh, that's difficult. That's difficult. We're surrounded by these things. We cannot. It's hard. So we must start making things hard that Allah asks us to do and asks us to avoid. Allah, brothers, this is many people. And the further we are from belief, the more we question sharia. That it's too harsh, too difficult, too unbearable. So we start looking at our capacities, even if we believe in Allah, saying, oh, my capacity is this much. Like that non-Muslim who said, how do you face past 30 days? How do you pray five times a day? What they've done is look at their capacity, they assessed it, they thought, no way, this is something I can do. Allah flipped it in this verse. What does he say? لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها He says, there is no way, no way, Allah will commission you, will ask you to do something, to take care of a duty, except that it's within what? Your capacity. No way. There's no way. And I'm going to give you another example, like hardships. You say, oh my God, I don't know what will happen if I get sick. Ah, can't imagine dealing with this. Can't imagine dealing with that. If Allah gave you that hardship, that health problem, that loss of a human being, that whatever it is, it means what? It's within your capacity. What about Sharia? If He asked you to do it, surely it's within your capacity. So if He told us five daily prayers, are they within your capacity? Not just us, all human beings. Is it? Absolutely. If He asked you to fast 30 days, not 31 or 2, 30 days at most, 29 or 30, is it within your capacity? Absolutely. If He asked you to avoid alcohol, is it within your capacity? Absolutely. What about 2.5% of zakah? <coughs> Look at you, all of your wealth. At that point, that is accumulated over a year, right? It has been sitting there. You take 2.5% off of it, you pay it in zakah. Is it within your capacity? What's the answer? So as Muslim, Allah gave us a powerful rule to address our own questions. We are the ones who are struggling in our heads. I don't know how to avoid even haram relationships. It's hard. Allah says, surely it's within your capacity. For sure. Not only is it within your capacity, there's a lot of slack too. I'll give you an example of how we have a lot of slack. It's not like right at the tip of your capacity. No, 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 you have a lot more capacity. Does everybody just pray five times a day? That's it? We just pray the fard? What else do we pray? Pray sunnahs. Do you have to? You don't have to. But pray sunnahs. How about qiyam al-layl? There are people I know will never pass the night without qiyam al-layl. So how much are they praying? Just the 17, is it 17 rakahs? They're praying like 30, 40 a day. Some 50. Some pray around the clock, brothers and sisters. Well, that shows you what? That we have a lot of slack, and to prove it, there are people who pray far, far, far more. 
What about 30 days of fasting? Does everybody pray for, uh, fast 30 days of fasting? Actually, there's a lot of Muslims who do what? Fast 3-4 months out of the year. If not 5 or 6. And there are people who just are consistent with Mondays and Thursdays. But they surely fast a lot more. That shows you the human capacity allows you to fast more. So Allah, is He burdening you? Absolutely not. And He's telling you, you even show the evidence that you can do more. But I'm not asking you for this. There's no way I can give you something beyond your capacity. Now the question is, are we all the same capacity? Nope. So don't be hard on people who don't pray every night. Right? Don't be hard on people who just tell you, I'm going to pray obligatory and that's it. That's their capacity. Leave them alone. That's what they believe is their capacity. As long as they're doing the minimum, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Can everybody handle health problems the same way? No way. That's why Allah gives someone something and doesn't give it to the other. Can everybody handle the test of loss of money the same way? No way. So He gives it to someone and not the other. He knows what your capacity is, what my capacity is, and gives you... Well, the code of Allah is the same. Sharia doesn't change. Like, worship, you have to do it. But problems of life, He gives us different trials according to what? Our, let me hear it, capacities. Brothers and sisters, please, if you're afflicted with anything, anything, parental problems, children problems, uh, money problems, health problems, losing human being, it doesn't matter. That means it's within what? For sure. As long as you use Allah. When we don't use Allah to help us, we're going to fall short. We're going to fail, for sure. That's why some people cannot handle their problems. So they'll tell you, well, you say that it's within my capacity, but I cannot handle it. I'm not handling it well. You tell them it's because you, you don't tell them that straight, you advise them. It's because you're not using Allah. As, start, as soon as you start using Allah to deal with your problem, you're going to overcome it. As long as it is. You're going to be able to deal with it. It will make you a better person. It's the rule of Allah who made us. Who made us. Give me another example. What if circumstances come into our lives that now make uh, your normal capacity, well, not the capacity, capacity is the same, but that makes the rules and the duties difficult. Does Allah expect you to do the same thing? Say, hey, it's within your capacity? Nope. I'll give you an example. When you travel, look at the mercy of Allah. If I'm not traveling, Allah says, for sure you can pray what? Five times a day. For sure. If you travel, well, even though you have the capacity, now the capacity diminishes because of new difficulties. You're traveling, you're on a plane, you're in a you know, strange place, right? The routine has broken, so I'm expecting you to do what now? Not pay five times the way you do. I want you to do what? Condense them. Shorten the four to two, combine prayers to make it light on you, and to make it within what? Your capacity. If I'm sick, what happens? If you can't pray standing, what do you do? Pray sitting. Pray sleeping. Pray laying down, literally. If you can't move a limb, I'm going to make it within your capacity. You pray with your eyes. What if you can't move your eyes? With your mind. What if your mind is in and out of consciousness? That's okay too. Like if you ask sick people in the hospital, their medication, they cannot complete one prayer. Even in their beds. And they were asked, like, I'm not able to pray. I'm in and out. They say, that's perfect. Allah loves it. Loves it so much. Even if you like, didn't even know what you read, it doesn't matter. Because that's your capacity. So it happens with fasting, with prayer, with everything. What if you don't have money? You don't pray zakah. See? So even the rules kind of adjust according to your capacity. But who, te- who defines it? You are Allah. Allah. 
But he gave us a license that even when circumstances arise, it will still be low enough for you to do it. That's a powerful rule, brothers and sisters. So it's not up to us to define capacities. It's Allah. So if you've given it, it means you're able to handle it. Make sense? Then he says, لا ما كسبت وعليه ما اكتسبت. He says a beautiful second rule. He says rule number two. And by the way, rule number one about capacities, he gave it to us in the surah that gave us what? Sharia. You know this? So that we don't say, oh my God, that's too many. That's too hard. So in the last verse, he tells us, by the way, everything I gave you in Surah Al-Baqarah is within your capacity. Rule number two. He says, I'm encouraging you to do a lot of good things for yourself. لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ Because كَسَبَتْ Everything you've earned in the way of good, it's going to benefit who? لَهَا To you. لَهَا To you, you're going to earn it. No one can take it away. Everything you've earned that is good. You pray, you've given charity, you help someone, you fasted, you're going to earn the reward and the blessings of every one of those things and no way somebody can take it away from you or deny you. Because Allah is the one that is dealing with you. وَعَلَيْهَا مَكْتَسَبَتْ But against you, it will count surely against you if you do what? اِكْتِسَاب which is to incur sin. He says, don't do that. Or you're going to make it inevitably, but make sure you minimize those. Minimize the disobedience of Allah. Minimize mistakes because it's going to count against who? You. So he says, it's a rule. You're not going to escape it. Even if it's uh, Adam's worth of action. Adam's weight. It's going to be for you or against you. Even a look at someone is a good deed. It's for you. A look of meanness to someone that's against you. It'll be there recorded. But that's difficult, isn't it? If you read this verse, like this phrase, you say, oh my God, we're in trouble. For everything bad that's going to be against me, that's very heavy. So here's what Allah says. He now turned it into a form of a statement from the believers. He says, if you're truly believing, understand this rule so that you can maximize the good. However, if you truly understand who Allah is, and if you have genuine faith, you're going to say what? Rabbana la tu'akhidna in nasina wa akhtana. Oh Allah, do not take us to account, do not punish us if we did two things. What are they? If we forgot, and if we made a mistake. This is, this is mer- like a manifestation of the mercy of Allah. Says, you know, he first told you, by the way, maximize the good, minimize the bad, because they're going to count against you. You'll be like, oh my goodness, we're in trouble. <laughs> then he says, by the way, say, oh Allah, do not take us to account when we make mistakes or forget. What is he telling you? You're going to what? Make mistakes. And you're going to forget. How many times have we forgot to pray on time? How many times did we forget about the prayer we didn't remember until the next prayer came? How many times did we forget to uh, take out zakah? To, to uh, uh, for ex- you know, anything in Sharia. Anything that you can think about. You got busy and you forgot to do it. To check on your parents. Whatever, right? Anything. You've just forgot in the midst of being busy in life. What is Allah saying? Does He take your account for it? He doesn't. So the Prophet gave us a beautiful hadith. He says, ummati, My ummah has been absolved, forgiven for two things. They're mentioned here. What are they? Forgetting and making mistakes. What's the difference? I forgot to, uh, you know, I, I got busy and I forgot about the salah. 
I just said this because something happened with me it's like I, I remembered late like oh my god I forgot to pay Asr right that was forgiveness forgetfulness do you punish yourself do you beat yourself up just get up and pray Allah says forgiven because I'm not you're not perfect but acknowledge it you're not perfect you're gonna forget who forgot before us Adam and ate from the tree I'm gonna tell you the difference though right so he says, and alhamdulillah, it's a blessing of Allah. Because Allah could have easily said, it's not my problem that you forgot. I told you to do it. Do your homework. You shouldn't forget. Right? But the student can't forget. Because different reasons. But Allah says, if you forgot, it's not a big deal. Just ask me for what? Make dua to Allah to forgive you. And say, oh Allah, don't take us to account if we forgot. Allah's going to give it to you. But Allah wants you to profess that you're imperfect that He's blessing you with the forgiveness if you forgot. What about making mistakes? Making mistakes would be... By the way, another example of, common example of forgetfulness. You're in Salah itself, and you forgot to, uh, I don't know, say a surah or something. But you really forgot. And you concluded the Salah without knowing. Does Allah say, rejected? Nope. He forgot. Very simple. Very simple. It's as if never, the mistake never happens. But number two category is making mistakes. We made a mistake. I thought it's the first day of fasting, but it wasn't. No, that, I thought. I made a mistake. It's not about forgetting. I, I thought something, but I, it ended up being something else. That's a mistake. Does Allah forgive you? Absolutely. If we make mistakes with anything, with Allah, brothers and sisters, it's okay. And you're going to make mistakes. They're not deliberate, though. I thought so. I was ignorant. I thought it was this, done this way, but I did it this way. Right? SubhanAllah. That's why we need to learn more. But Allah says, don't worry. However, ask me for them. Two things that Allah has given us mercy with in Islam. Unlike other nations. Let me give you an example. Banu Israel, when they had to repent, they, had, they, were, they could repent in one of two ways. The earlier nations. Earlier part. Either through killing themselves, if they commit a sin, not just a simple mistake, serious sin, kill themselves or give quarter of their money in zakah. That's serious. Allah has freed us from that. So we appreciate this blessing. Unlike other nations, the, 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 Allah lightened the load on us so much. That's what I want to say. And He's given us this opportunity even to make mistakes and to forget and be forgiven completely, which is not something afforded to other nations. Their sharia's are different. What does Allah say next? He continues with the dua. So it's all dua, by the way, now. Until the end. Oh Allah, do not take us to account if we made mistakes. Or we forgot. Oh Allah, do not give us a load that is difficult for us to, to bear like the one you've given those before us, which is what I just mentioned as an example. Don't give us things we can't bear. But is Allah going to give us things that are not? Gonna, that are going to be beyond what we can handle? No way. He stated that where? In verse number one. There's no way He'll give you something beyond your capacity. But He is telling you, you should ask me for it. Be humble and ask me, Oh Allah, don't burden me, but I'm aware that you're not going to burden me. There's a realization inside, Allah will never burden me. First, I want to ask you today, how many of us have that firm belief in their hearts right now. Trust, there is no way Allah will burden me beyond my capacity. No matter how tough life is. But now Allah doesn't just want you to realize it. He wants you to what? 
say it in the way of what? That's why we say this. We should say this every night. Oh, don't burden us. Tomorrow we're going to wake up. Don't burden us with things beyond our capacity. But I know that you're not going to burden us with beyond our capacity. But oh, Allah lightened the load on us. And then we say, concluding, continue with the dua. These are the essential things that the faithful will do. The next dua. رَبَّنَا وَلَا تُحَمِّلْنَا مَا لَا طَاقَةَ لَنَا بِهِ Oh Allah, do not give us. Emphasizing the same concept. Do not put on us, burden us with things that we have no capacity or energy for. We're just professing the things we understand here. That's it. We know Allah is not going to burden you, but we're repeatedly saying, don't burden us. Lighten the load on us. Don't give us things that we cannot do. And then, acknowledging with humility that we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Even sometimes deliberate. Wa'fu anna. وَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَرْحَمْنَا So Allah says, you desperately need my forgiveness in your journey. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to forget. You're going to stumble. Sometimes you're going to make things deliberately, which is not good. That's what Allah doesn't like. He, he, it's okay with Him to forget and make mistakes, but don't be deliberate. No matter what, I want to forgive you, so ask me to what? Give you pardon, completely erase the traces of sin. That's what Afu is. Forgive us, warhamna, and have mercy on us. And then he concludes with, أَنْتَ مَوْلَانَا فَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ He's asking us, so he told us, you need my forgiveness and pardon. You need to acknowledge that you're imperfect, that you're going to make mistakes. It's okay as long as you ask for forgiveness. And I want you to say, أَنْتَ مَوْلَانَا What is mawla? Something close to it is waligi. Wali is the caretaker, the custodian. Wali is your protector. He's asking you, reminding you, I am your protector, caretaker. I'm the one who takes care of your needs night and day. There's no one who will guard you like Allah. If you have faith, you're guaranteed the protection of Allah. Doesn't mean no tests, but you're guaranteed the protection of Allah. So I want you to say, Anta Mawlana. Wallah, brothers and sisters, when I heal again, say, Anta Mawlana. Oh, but the question here, Allah asks, do you really have trust that Allah is your mawla? He's your caretaker and protector? Do you have full trust He's with you right now? Do you have full trust that He's taking care of your needs? I want you to affirm it. I'm affirming it to you, and I'm asking you to say it in this form. Anta mawlana, as such, if you care for Allah, last part of the verse, fansurna ala al-qawm al-kafiri. So, oh Allah, give us triumph over who? The disbelievers. The surah was about also the disbelievers and the, and the danger that can come from them. So Allah says, faith is important. So ask Allah to give you a triumph over those who have no belief. Make sense? Notice here, Allah is asking every day to, to say this. Give us triumph. Give us strength. Give us protection. Right? Now, why should I have a... Uh, why am I asking Allah for help here? And with what? With what cause? The cause of kufr, like against kufr. Because disbelief can get you. Disbelief can wreck your life. It's harmful. So you need to ask Allah for help. So it's not just upon you. But does that mean you don't make an effort? This doesn't mean we don't exert ourselves. Because oftentimes we ask, we ask, why is Allah not giving us help? Perhaps it is what? We're not exerting ourselves. So Allah wants us to do our best with whatever, and it's going to be within what? Your 
capacity. That's it, stick to that. Right? If you do and you trust in Allah and you ask and say, Ya Allah, help me, Ya Allah, help me, Allah will surely give you help. Surely. And remember, brothers and sisters, Allah mentioned it even in the battle of Badr. Allah sent to the believers angels they didn't see. Wallah, brothers and sisters, every day I, I try to remember this. If, you're, if you feel like there's a lot of hardship on you, say, Oh Allah, send me your angels. Really, this is a, like, grant me from you angels, including Jibreel, to help me. Brothers and sisters, when you see things that are lighter on you, maybe it's the angels of Allah coming to your aid. This is a very significant thing to ask for, so that the load becomes light on us. Otherwise, it's going to feel heavy. It's going to feel heavy the further we are from Allah Azza One final note, inshallah, again. These two verses sum up Surah Al-Baqarah. They state and affirm what is important about faith, who we belong to, Prophet Muhammad the five tenets of faith, and what happens when you have faith. Number one was, we listen and obey. Number two, we don't differentiate between the prophets. Number three, we make du'a with humility, acknowledging our shortcomings. And waiting and trusting that Allah will forgive us. And Allah says, keep making du'a to me to lighten the load. And ultimately, don't forget to ask for my aid in this life. So that I can give you strength in dealing with the challenges. Specifically, and most importantly, the challenge of unbelief. Disbelief. Because there's no greater problem we face than the problem of disbelief. Lack of belief in Allah Azza wa So, action item, inshallah. Please, brothers and sisters. If you haven't memorized this, go memorize it, inshallah. Like, try today's start. Amana Rasulu until ala al kafiri. And try to say it, inshallah, as much as you can, especially when you go to bed. Allah will suffice you and teach it to your family and your children, inshallah, if you can. Barakallah, if you can, inshallah, we'll open the floor.